Stand by. You're listening to Naively Optimistic Patron Podcast with your entertainers, Mr. Eno and Mr. Gary. The ego is saying, what's happening here? It's an opportunity for spiritual growth. Do you still think the royal family were shape-shifting lizards? Yes, I do. The last two fucking shite talking spas. Run the muck, bit as fuck on down all your ties. Burning ears off for that cheese, bring all double down to its knees. This podcast fucking shite, tell me where else would you be? So sit back, flake, relax, have a drink, lose the cacks, and take in all the cack that comes out of these scaldy rats. Hey, sausages and tea rashers. <laughs> oh, stop it. Oh, mate. I was actually in bits. I was like, literally, he was like, I oh, don't talk like that. Well, obviously, he wasn't doing an accent as glorious as that, obviously. <laughs> but, oh, uh, oh, stop, man. It was something to bear a crack in it, bro. <laughs> oh, but, mate, yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. before we move into the main topic today, I actually think I'm going to give the audience a bit of a bit of a breakdown as to the genesis of today. It was so funny. All right. I, all right, so I gave Eno, look, you've obviously heard me chat about my dad in the last couple of episodes. My dad is just such a character, right? And uh, he's the master of, like, playing things down. Like, something serious could be happening, and he actually just plays it down like it's nothing. Isn't that right, Yeah, 100%. So, it's the most uh, underwhelming delivery I've ever met. Yeah. Big time, big time, right? So I rang it in, like, literally in tears there last week, and I'm like, well, I sent you a VM, actually, you and Stephen. I was like, boys, you aren't going to believe what's happening, right? So my dad starts putting these pictures into a family WhatsApp group, right, of, like, our gaff, like, 40 years ago, right, like, the road it's on. And I'm like, uh, bear in mind, right, I've lived in the same gaff for fucking 29 years, right? And uh, I thought I knew the, the history of the gaff. And, like, I think they're pretty new gaffs in the grand scheme of things, right? And when I was growing up, I'd say to me, Dad, like, who owned that gaff before us? And he'd be like, he used to talk with this fella called Bartholomew, by the way. Who the fuck is called Bartholomew in Ireland? Nearly thought it was a joke, oh, to be one honest. Fella. One Did fella. You? One wi- window cleaner, yeah. Yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah, window licker by the sounds of it. <laughs> Go on, anyway. <laughs> and so, uh, so he, he comes in anyway, like, to... Query, query with me if I actually seen the pictures in the chat because I have the chat mute as well and he comes in he goes Do you see them pictures and I was like oh, yeah actually I goes, that's mad because like, the picture was like you know restored and all it was in colour and all and there's like a there's a car outside that gaff right and then he goes oh, just not want that car outside the gaff and I was just like would I not have been your man Bartholomew or what and, like, and he was like no no this would have been before Bartholomew and I was like what before Bartholomew, I thought Bartholomew was the sole owner of this gaff. Now I'm hearing about these other owners. And he was like, yeah, it could have been the Duns. And I was like, who the fuck are the Duns? Wait for it, boys. Wait for it. And he goes, not ever tell you about the Duns. I was like, no, please do tell. So he goes, your man Larry Dunn lived in this gaff before Bartholomew. And I goes, who the fuck is Larry Dunn? Turns out Larry Dunn, mate, was the OG of the drug game in Ireland. This is before the Kinahans, all the lads. The Larry o- Dunn is o- the... OG. Yeah, the godfather. Chap has his own Wikipedia and all, right? Look, I literally read you the Wikipedia, right? Well, in a second, right? So I'm saying to me, I'm like, you telling me a dr- like the drug lord lived in this gaff 
before us and he was like yeah yeah this Ellen used to live next door and he was like yeah look she's dead now but he'd be like oh, I used to talk to Nancy when we forced me off dinner and Nancy would be like there used to be more of her the guard used to be coming to the gaff every night trying to get them and all do you know what I mean and I'm like oh my no days like crazy so anyway look at this right the chap has it on Wikipedia right Larry Dunn was an Irish organised crime boss and drug dealer he was held responsible for introducing heroin into Dublin in the 1970s right like madness. I can't believe I'm living in the same gaff as the godfather of Brown. I fucking love the Brown. I <laughs> <laughs> fucking love the Brown. <laughs> but man, look at it, right? Spent time in England, built up a network of connections with British drug dealers and organised. He was the first, look at this, he was the first one to bring runners into the game, right? So these are like, you know, you know uh, young young people that obviously can't get nabbed by the guard to supply heroin on the streets in flat complexes. No way. I literally thought that only started in the last few years. Oh my God. Yeah, there you go. And look at this, earned the nickname Larry Doesn't Carry. I'll tell you who does fucking carry. Carry! <laughs> <laughs> I'm living, I'm living, I'm uh, carrying on the legacy for Larry Dunn oh, and the gaff. Well, <laughs> the, you inherited that energy. Yeah, exactly. But uh, in there. <laughs> no. In that box bedroom. But look at this, right? Uh, here, I have the biggest bedroom, you spoof or you stop. I'm not living in our box bedroom, right? Box <laughs> I mean, room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, look at this, right? He made so much money. That in May 1982, he was able to buy a luxury home on the on the grounds of Sandyford at the foot of the Dublin Mountains. And although, <coughs> no although look, quotation, unemployed, he paid 100k for it in cash, which is like the equivalent of 1.3 million in today's prices, right? Mad shit, isn't it? Mad, man. So there you go, boys. Just thought yeah. that was an interesting little story. Entry all pain well back then, what? Oh, stop, man. Take me back, boys. Oh, <laughs> but we're not, to, here, we're not here to talk about Brown today, boys. We're talking all things why. I'm in love with the cocoa. Yes, we're talking about the Queen herself, aren't we, you know, Griselda Blanco. You know, this is another one your love children topic wise. Again, we were kind of fresh on yeah. the on the drug train last week talking about Larry and all. And then Eno was like, I'm dying to do an episode on the sniff for obvious reasons. Right? They don't call you up after snow globe for nothing, am I right? The day after tomorrow. <laughs> Dublin twelve. Lapland. Yeah, lads in the whole North Face suit on the pikes just to get out. <laughs> It's literally oh, a constant blizzard night, isn't it? In, oh no, I was going to say your address there, mate. I was going to say your address. But the place would be raided, cabin, but we fucking straight down to your gaff. Oh, stop, man. No, nah, I'm only buzzing, right? Be mad getting dragged out. <laughs> John's on me. <laughs> oh, stop. But anyway, oh, right? Man, right? This, this Griselda young one, lads, I actually cannot stress you this. Have to, you have to introduce her by her own self professed title. Oh, yeah. don't worry about getting into that. Eno gets on to me, and again, we were already talking about doing a drug focused episode, something we hadn't done yet. And as, look, we had a rough idea what we were going to do, and then Eno hits me with this bomb and sends me like a fucking form in a VM the other day. And in the, in the form in a VM, broke this whole thing down for me. I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. But listen, this young one, right, was known as literally the godmother of cocaine. Like I would say Kingpin But Queen She had a few names right She She had loads Oh yeah She had about 20 nicknames But like We'll actually reveal the nicknames Throughout the story Instead of ruining them Do you know what I mean But literally The Queen The Queen Pin If you will right 
what she say about herself in the baddest bitch to ever breathe or something like that, didn't she? She said the baddest bitch to ever breathe a breathe a breath of air. In this like, come on, like it's not the most like audacious thing you could say. Like that's like the name of Rihanna album or something, but no. But when you mean it, like that's, <laughs> that's Rihanna goes so around calling herself the baddest bitch ever every two seconds. But Rihanna hasn't got a fucking patch on this young. Do you know what I mean? No, no, Chad. This is the real stuff. Like, this isn't your commercial stuff. No, like, honestly, like, look, when, when she says she's the baddest bitch on the planet, she actually is. So without further ado, Eno, take us through Grizzy's backstory. Boom. Right. Griselda Blanco, uh, born in the town of Cartagena, Colombia, Kid. 1943. <laughs> <laughs> it was, though. <laughs> no, I, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> She lived in a tin house in a slum after her father left uh, outside the town of Medellin. Uh, popular town uh, made popular by Pablo Escobar, I believe, right? But uh, this is I know someone, Columbia. by the way, quickly. I know someone who yeah. lived in Medellin for, for, during the lockdown. Yeah, your dealer. No, I wish, mate. <laughs> no, he actually, like, he was putting up on the stories every day. It looks madness. They had them, They had one of the maddest quarantines, by the way. They had, like, almost, like, akin to, like, Wuhan. On the stories, he was putting up every single day that they had to be in lockdown and if they were caught in the streets, they get arrested and jailed and all. And you were given a ticket, basically, through our door that said when you could leave to get your shopping and all. Isn't that mad? No. 100%. Medellin was off the radar, man, when it comes to the, to the lockdowns and all. Like, it was actually deadly watching the stories because it was cool to kind of see, like, Another part of the world, especially it's so different to Ireland. It actually looks like a nice little place, to be fair. Well, now it does, anyway, but not back then. But, you know, sorry, back in. Yeah, no worries. 40s, uh, Columbia in the 1940s, no laws, very primitive, uh, very violent. Uh, the, the dad left, as we said, the mother was an alcoholic, and uh, poor old Griselda would be subject to beatings from the mother on a daily basis, right? Given a further context, that period of the time that she grew up between, like, until the age of 10, was uh, famously known as La Violencia, the violent 50s, where civil war had broken in Colombia. It's like it an Ireland with the Troubles, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. The Troubles. I, I'd liken it to that, I would, actually. Oh, yeah, still, you actually could liken it to that, though. For all of yeah, our international listeners, enough. we had our own little troublesome period in which we lovingly called the Troubles here in Ireland. Which is sort of revitalised as we speak, ironically enough, but anyway. Yeah. La Violencia, so uh, the violence of the Civil War in the 1950s, uh, conflict around because of the police, politicians and farmers trying to claim land from peasant farmers. That was just partly some of the reasons. And uh, listen to this, I, I was shocked to actually read this. The dead bodies were found daily on the streets, right? And kids used to bury corpses for fun. Jesus. Like kids were just fed up seeing corpses all over the place. They actually, even kids took upon themselves to just bury corpses. Right, but Griselda was a hard nut from a young age, yeah? Mm-hmm. She was so dirt poor living in the, the slums that her and her mates actually came up with a plan to kidnap a child of a rich family in Medellin and bring them back and hold them to ransom. And they did. At age 11, Griselda helped kidnap an 11-year-old boy or a 10-year-old boy from a rich family. After, after a child's writing a note to say, we want X amount of money and to release her son, the family didn't take it seriously. They said no. The, her friends actually dared her and Griselda took up a gun and shot the kid between the eyes and killed him. So they, age 11, the baddest bitch. Right? That says it all. She's literally <clears> Not funny. The, yeah, but seriously, that's, that's... She's already that's off to her first up, kill yeah. like at 11. Like, do you know what I mean? I didn't get started at 14. Yeah. Like. Doesn't just... <laughs> You're not leaving that in, surely. Here I am. Uh, <laughs> Do you ever hear me and Eva? Do 
you know where me and Eva on the crime episodes? I think we've said it once or twice that we've said that we're actually getting worried that eventually we're going to reach a point in the road where we've actually done all the crimes. So we're going to have to start doing our own murders to like nearly be our own inspiration. Is <laughs> <laughs> no, that make our own topic? Um, go for it, man. <laughs> Oh, back one hundred percent, man. It was in the name of entertainment. Get your hands off me. <laughs> we are running out topics. <laughs> right. So by age fourteen, uh, her mother, the beatings from her mother, had become so bad that Griselda ran out in the night time, as she says, topless in the rain, uh, through the night until she reached the town of Medellin. She was a prostitute in her until her early twenties, so about six seven years, giving it to the game. Marries Carlos Trujillo and has three sons, Dixon, Uber, uh, and Oswald. Uber. I read that as Uber. Uber. Yeah, okay, it is. But there's a H in there. We don't I pronounce don't the know. H. Well, I read it as Uber. <laughs> what, uh, Oswald, that was it's it. It's man that found an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a bit of entrepreneurship in the family, but we'll get to that later, won't we? Well, actually, we'll multiple bouts of it, to be fair. So, first husband. Uh, dies and from what she declares was sclerosis of the liver uh, soon after they moved to New York but this part of her past is quite uh, shady and hard to read because obviously at that time there's no really uh, recounting this not many people knew who she was or knew of her family or what happened but she moved away and with her three sons moved to New York soon after she moved in on a new squeeze Mr. Alberto Bravo owned garment factories and through obviously the inspiration of his uh, queen pin Griselda turned them into drug factories. So but Griselda helps inspired turning these uh, garment factories into drug factories by uh, buying in rocks of cocaine. And there started the drug empire with Alberto and Griselda. So as Ian mentioned there, they moved to New York, but specifically Queens, right? New York, bit of yeah. a fact for his lads. New York was the world capital for buying sniff at top dollar, right? So they knew yeah. they could be slinging their wife for mad profit, do you know what I mean? And this is like, this is the late 60s at this stage, by the way, right? So they're running this little empire, well, not little, massive empire, right? From a garment, like the garment factory that German Alberta owned, right? And the official cover story was that they were running like a clothing import company, right? But they were doing mm-hmm. bits, do you know, weren't they, right? They were slinging white like fuck, right? <laughs> they were even able to <laughs> undercut the mob, right? Due to their direct connection, yeah. of course, to Ground Zero, i.e. Columbia. And then in 1971, they became the first Colombians to sell Medellin cartel sniff into the US. And within a few months, they were millionaires. They were loaded. They were making 10 yeah. mil a week, boys, at the height of their success. Isn't that madness? To think um, in the 60s, like, how do you not notice that level of money being trafficked around? Like, honest. Yeah, like, as Ian said there, like, this was the 60s as well, right? So, 10 mil a week. Back in the 60s, like, that is major, major dough, like, do you know what I mean? Madness. Yeah. So, but Grizzy grew mad Americanized, as you'd imagine, and she developed a love for the mafia. Gangster movies and all that jazz, right? Start calling herself, as we said earlier, La Madrina, a.k.a. The Godmother. Isn't that the baddest nickname you've ever heard in your life? The Godmother. You, you, you need to back that up, Gary. You know Do what I mean? If you're going to yourself... You, no, if you're going... <laughs> not like you. Oh, sorry. If you're going to give yourself that name... You gotta give yourself. Got on Gary O'Neill, the Godmother. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking like, about her. <laughs> I was like, "What?" We were like, "You need to back that up." I was like, "What? Have I not done enough?" Like, she, <laughs> I don't mean really. Don't, don't shoot about. the messenger, you know. <laughs> Only telling you what you call herself. But yeah, look, there's a pattern of this going forward. But Ina, wasn't she an innovator? Wasn't she like an innovator? 
So one thing she did, as she we kind of even concept. touched on, obviously the Irish version of it, Young Lawrence earlier, right? But she started using female mules on the streets because they are way less likely to draw attention from the Garda. Again, just to add some closed captions here, the Garda is what we call the police here and just for a few of the old international patrons. Anyway, so yeah. they start manufacturing, I love this bit, they start manufacturing like specialty lingerie, right? That was specifically for smuggling sniff, right? So all the mots be staunching around in the gear, right? Under like under our main clothes, right? Smuggling mad levels of top quality white, you know, right? Stuff. <laughs> And at one stage, oh, right, one stage, one of our corsets is discovered at Miami Airport in the Jacks, right? And they discover seven pounds of the devil's dandruff, me, right? Seven had been pounds. sewn, had been sewn into 58 compartments. First of all, the craftsmanship, right? This <laughs> yeah. together. A corset with 58 50 compartments in it. That could, that could house seven pounds of the devil's dandruff. Like, come on. Stop. Outrageous, carry on. In the early 70s, lads, right, Horner fella were importing one and a half tons of Colombian courage into the States. What the fuck? Did you not hear that one, Colombian courage? It's a good one, no. eh? It's, it's up there with, like, do you ever hear, like, Dutch courage for when you're having a few gargles and you're feeling confident? Dutch courage. <laughs> Col- Colombian courage is when you're having a few. I mean, <laughs> you know what the- <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> See, Matt was telling me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my dad was telling me <laughs> him and Lawrence, him and Lawrence were a birdie and Elvis in the gaff. <laughs> <laughs> you were that inherited that gaff, you didn't buy it. You yeah, knew exactly. That. Commission, you got it because he was out slinging brown for Lawrence, and Lawrence was like, look, you're a fab little salesman, there you go, there's a gaff for you. You have the whole family in. <laughs> anyway, so things are going phenomenally on the business front, as you can imagine, but her relationship with her fella starts to deteriorate. Look, all the story in the book, <gasps> as we always say, don't we? Do you know what I mean? Like when couples get into business together, mad Mula coming in and eventually it's going to complicate that personal relationship. Eno, back to you, champ. Bum, bum. Troubles in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> Scene two, act one, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, Griselda. Uh, Griselda. Grizzy, what calling her, Eno? Grizzy. Grizzy, sorry. Um, Grizzy, right? From Thomas. By the way, before Alberto. you go on, isn't Griselda yeah. Blanco? Honest to God, one of the fucking most outrageous. Like, they are Cruella de Vil, me bollocks. This is a powerful woman name. Like, this. Honest to God, yeah. Like, literally. If you're going with a surname Blanco, like, <laughs> if you're not li- doing the white. <laughs> 100% here, literally. If I was out and someone goes, yeah, Griselda Blanco's coming out there, I'd go, who is this? I yeah. need to meet this one. That just literally exudes <laughs> power, intrigue, yeah. doesn't it? Griselda is uh, like yeah. I've not, I don't think I've ever heard the name Griselda ever. Never. Like honestly, even when I was doing my notes, me fucking Mac kept correcting it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> even me Mac was like, "What the what the fuck is Griselda?" I know who Granny is, but Griselda, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it was, honestly, oh, me notes saying Granny the Blanco earlier. <laughs> De Blanco. <laughs> <laughs> Here, hold on. Uh, it doesn't Blanco Go mean white. Yes, that's is what that? I said. Is that, yeah. is that actually her official name? Blanco? Yeah, Griselda Blanco, yeah. Mate, it was literally written in the stars from day one then, wasn't it? Bro, you had already finished all the research and everything and reading Oi. up on this magnificent woman and then it lands on the show. Boys, oh God, yeah. I am a legitimate festival. Hello, do you not get magnums in your gaff, no? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I say this all the time. Like, I might be as red as the devil's dick, but I have serious blonde moments, yeah? Like, oh, honestly, look, I can be mad slow sometimes. I can't believe I'm only at the cop. Stop. 
I'm actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually going pink, boys. I'm actually marling myself. <laughs> You're right, Glenn. Looking a bit pink. <laughs> Do you remember I said that to you years ago? Yeah. You're right, you know, a bit pink there. <laughs> In public. <laughs> yeah, real awkward social moments, right? Oh, stop. Anyway, right, back. here we go. Back to where we were. We've just framed where we were, where the we come from, where the woman came from. Um, first husband, three kids, moves away, and then her entrepreneurial zeal kicks in and her innovation, her her Steve Jobsery comes in, mm-hmm. which learns how to create compartments in corsets and lingerie, etc. Et bomb, yeah. bomb, trouble in paradise. Here mm-hmm. we go. Griselda and Alberto have the troubles. So all we know is there's not too much because of the, like the the detail and the highlights of this woman's life. I mean, this part is kind of like, it's no one really cares too much and get the details, but really to, to gloss over it. The problem started when Alberto moved back to Colombia and he, where he named, namely stated he was restructuring the business. So, what does that really mean? Brazil, I mean come on. What? I know. What come on. Come on now, young fella. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> Restructuring the business. Well, what did she do? Griselda started smoking the bazooka as well, Gary, on top of that. Raw, yeah. unrefined cocoa. Yeah. Serious rock. Yeah. Lethal it is, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, sorry, it's supposed to be. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> we'll just, we can edit it. We can deal with that in post. Don't worry, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she grew paranoid and kept a fueled private jet on standby 24 7. How Why? bonkers is that? Why she was, was so she paranoid because she was obviously she's obviously running the game mm-hmm. in Queens, New York, and her husband's out there gallivanting. As far as she's concerned, restructuring mm-hmm. me hoop. There's no enterprise back there. Do you know what I mean? There's no uh, there's no uh, Silicon yeah. Valley in Colombia at that time. You know, mm-hmm. so she knew well what anyway. he was up to. He was over there getting the job done. <laughs> That's the job. <laughs> Bro, we have to stay on track here. You ready? 100%. Okay. She's paranoid. She kept a fueled private jet on standby all the time. And she was paranoid because she didn't believe he was over there restructuring the business. He was over there ripping her off or whatever. However, at the same time she grew paranoid, a splinter group of the FBI caught onto her called the Banshee Group, actually, believe it or not. Like, is not the, like, maddest, like, name for, like, a project or a group ever, like, Project Banshee. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, that's basically another nickname for her. Like, catch the Banshee. True enough. That's the most. Yeah. That's actually probably one of the best, like, like code names for a project I think I've ever heard. Like, I'm not even messing. Yeah. Like, obviously, we're massive fans of Griselda anyway. <coughs> but like, Project Banshee is phenomenal, right? Anyway, but come on, they start catching on to her. They start catching on to her, and actually looking to intercept her, she gets on her plane to go to Colombia. She was bang white, Gary. So she makes her way down to Miami, where from there she could travel safely to Colombia undetected. Most people would be thinking that was a bit too too close to my liking and be laying low. But yeah. remember, as Eno said there a minute ago, she sniffed to the guild and parallel of our know that a fella is off banging tan snatch like it's going out fast down to Colombia. <laughs> so she's like, she's literally on the plane going, Poile, Colombia, <laughs> now. Hear it! <laughs> <laughs> Pilot's not even on the plane yet! Oh, bro. <laughs> oh, oh no, stop. stop. But she's over. Like, as Eno said, she's banging the bazooka over. That's no joke. It's late. I mean, from what yeah, I know, it's yeah. supposed to be fucking mad. So, but genuinely, she was like, no, no fucking way I'm going to have me second fella fucking rip me off, right? I already axed the first one. Mm-hmm. So she goes down. And her and her cronies go to intercept him outside a nightclub in Medellin. 
or Medellin. 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 I can say that. Well, how Even am I Irish, I used to mate? watch Narcos, I was like, Medellin, med, Medellin, Medellin. Get that Medellin. flip-flop out of your mouth, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness. Did you ever see... Go on. Go on. No, no, you forced We're going to talk over each other again. No, do your show. Did you ever see that video? Did you ever see that video? It's like the three hardest things to say. It's like, um, I'm sorry, I have a problem. And the third one is, Wash the shears, wash the shears. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wash the shears. That's like Medellin for me. I just can't. My outfit's mad for that sauce, by the way. It's always in the gaff. It's brilliant. It goes with everything, right? But no, but Medellin is how my Irish friend was saying it on the stories. So I don't know if that's just the. You know, like the actual. You English. just said it there, and I still can't say it. But this is not a priority right now, so we'll keep it going. Fuck Medellin, right? Meets husband outside a nightclub, so she's outside fucking China White or whatever it is, yeah. And she says to him, "Right, you outside, we're having a yap now. <laughs> Leave that VIP area. Leave your zambukis on that table. Don't worry, they're not going anywhere." And they go and they meet outside. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You tell the story. China yeah. White as well. Such an outrageous <laughs> It's a real place that Gary knows about. Okay, you don't so. move, you know about it. Don't move! Okay. He tells her that title of the godmother has gone to your head. She pulls out a pistol from her ostrich skin boots of a pair of them. Oh, shoots gosh. him right in the face and he falls on the ground. And as he falls on the ground, he takes out an Uzi and shoots her in the stomach. With that then, she walks over he only gets one shot away Walks over Picks up his Uzi And shoots all six of his bodyguards She recovers She recovers in hospital Now here's the argument Gary She's the Han Solo in this situation right He shot first apparently That that's That was the story They got their story straight right 100% Can we just revise what Eno just said This is Like whatever everything else She has been crowned the baddest bitch on the planet after this boys I think we can agree She yeah. just gone down our own fella Outside in nightclub. club and then took out six of his bodyguards with his own gun. Come on, boys. And got the name The Black Widow from that point onwards. That's it, innit? In it. That's the job. She tried to unify the game. As uh, she taught, obviously, both Pablo Escobar, a young and up-and-coming Pablo Escobar, was going to plot against her and a couple of others. A few low levels. But she was like, look, lads, instead of us all getting in in shady ways, let's try to do this all more efficiently and sell to Americans safely. No one went along with her plan. She's like, right, fuck this. I'm heading back. I'm going to run my own empire. In 1978, she moves on. A couple of years later, she marries bank robber called Dario and has a son. What's the son's name, Gar? Please. Michael Corleone. Boom. Surely that's not a unique name that hasn't been used anywhere before ever. <laughs> it's the lead character of the Godfather movie. Like, the, honestly, God, you're setting your son up for trouble for life, naming him as the lead character. Well, actually, if that's your ma, I mean, it, she's going to clear a lot of danger out of your way anyway. So don't 100%. About. But, um, but uh, calling your son Michael Corleone, like the Godfather out in the movie, the Godfather. She moves back to America, right, with her other kid then, and is not recognized at the border. After a decade of smoking raw, Cocaine aged her face. They were not able. She's to in a jock. Border. In a jock, I got Still would though. That's 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 for a later time, right? She buys a six-bed villa in Biscayne Bay in Miami, and she wants to re-energize the drug empire. Now, to give you some context. Here's an interesting one. Here's the interesting one you can tell your your folks at the dinner table. Yeah, Miami in the sixties and seventies was a very very quiet town. Nothing going on. A single police car, in fact, used to roam the town at night. One single police car and very few young people remained in the town. 
due to the economy and very few opportunities. In the 80s, Griselda arrives, weed is big. The devil's lettuce. The, the devil's lettuce. That's what's yeah. running the streets. Not the devil's, not the devil's dandruff yet. The lettuce was running amok. But Griselda spots an opportunity because weed is bulky and hard to sell and the cartel kept getting caught and the police were always out to find people dealing weed. However, Coke was relatively new and she spotted an opportunity and she works with the cartel, obviously, to feed uh, the game with cocaine. Okay, cocaine at that time is worth $35,000 a pound, right? In Miami, $35,000 a pound, which would be on average two years of a person's salary for a pound of coke, right? She moves it in as thousands of pounds every single day, right? Um, it was a rich person's drug, a drug, and the Drug Research Institution of America found that in the 60s, less than 1% of Americans had even tried cocaine. By the 70s, more than 15% had tried cocaine. And coke built Miami, Gary. Do you know why? Because the cartel needed fronts for their businesses, for their, for their drug money. So they used to build bars, clubs, condos, and hotels, and penthouses. And from that, uh, the cartels needed also to get loans from the bank. The banks actually knew what was going on, but they knew they were good for it. And from that, the banks took, loaned the money, took the money, plus the dividends, plus the bribes, plus the interest. And from that, built high financial towers. And some of those fantastic architecture we see today was built by Coke money. So ensued the cocaine wars, Gertie. Bum, bum. So begins the cocaine wars in south of Florida. Now, Griselda had a reputation for killing people. In fact, killing anyone for little or nothing. And in fact, there's a famous story where she earned a nickname here, another nickname. She cornered an arms dealer in Florida and tri- was going to kill him with a machete, right? And as she was doing so, he, asked, he begged her to stop and asked Griselda, please take the gun out of my car and shoot me. Do not kill me with a machete. And with loads of people watching, she done it. She walked over, she goes to the glove box, she goes over, she lines up your man's mallet to the gun and boom, right? And from that point... She got the nickname La Campasiva, the compassionate yeah. one. I feel like that is whatever, bad. like, I don't get how that would even stick as a nickname, if you get me right. Because after the fucking murder she caused, like, she massacred her husbands. Like, you know, like, the Black Widow, the Godmother, like, all these nicknames that are, like, intrinsically negative. But, yeah, she still murders a, c- a cunt in cold blood right in the daytime. But the only, thing, the only difference is she done it with a gun as opposed to hacking up the bits. But now she gets a positive nickname, the compassionate one. Do you know what I mean? What sort yeah, are giving out these nicknames? I, I, I sp- <laughs> well, we can hardly talk as Irish people, all the stupid names we give people. The fucking the duck and the penguin and the fucking all this shit. The duck and the penguin. I don't know what <laughs> drug lords are running amok these days in Crumlin. Veronica yeah? Guerin started all that. Anyway. She let, did let, not. I can't be saying too much. <laughs> she started all that nickname and shit. But like the duck and the penguin. Like. No, okay. There actually is someone called the penguin. I just make it up the duck. Like. Yeah, mate. That's the plot of Batman. Yeah. I'm the sea lion. That's Batman Begins. <laughs> yeah. The, the that's fuck? the plot of Batman. <laughs> Me and Ian always do that to each other, yeah. When we're telling each other a mad story, we'll just annoy each other. Like, I'll be telling Ian something mad, right? That's like, yeah. just, it won't even be anything like what he says it is. Yeah? And you go, hold on. That's the plot that- of The Hobbit. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, I assume you to be making up a story that perfectly lines up <laughs> yeah. with Lord of the Rings. Right, okay. <laughs> 
Right, so uh, mate, we're literally getting derailed here, but we'll get back on. We just told a very impactful story um, that literally is a part of the highlight reel of this woman's life. The wars were so bad, she just randomly decided that she would steal $2 million from an associate. She'd have him killed, wrapped in a plastic bag and chucked into a canal. She was responsible for more than 250 murders that we know of. And she had two hitmen. This is a good one. Actually, you know the story better than I do. Two hitmen drive to the Deadland Mall. Yeah, so look, as you can imagine, Grizzly's building up a serious list of enemies, right? She's running amok. So look, if you're if you're that big as well in the drug game, like, you know, it comes part and parcel that you're gonna you're gonna be making a lot of enemies. So in nineteen seventy nine, right, two of Grizzly's lads roll up to a shopping centre in a white van because they knew that two of Grizzy's rivals were, were flaked at the AFO, a.k.a. liquor store from International Patrons. And Grizzy's lads opened fire with machine guns at the AFO, right? They dropped the two lads, the rivals, and they ended up injuring just one of the fucking lads who worked there, right? And this was known as, like, the Dateland Massacre. It's gassed at, like, a massacre, like, it's just so small. Do you know what I mean? Like, back then, it was, like, two people. Like, that wouldn't even qualify as a massacre these days, would it not? No. Definitely fucking not, like... So they, they this where this where, but it wasn't actually sorry, guy, but it wasn't even back then to be considered a massacre, but because of the heavy artillery, yeah, that was literally that's fucking all over it? the place. Yeah, yeah. So they were speaking of heavy artillery, right? So they had to ditch the van, obviously, because it was quite bulky, and they didn't want to get caught by the pow pow, right? Leaving, so they, they ditched the van. The traffic, right? Yeah, the traffic, right? And so, so the police arrive at the scene. They find the the fucking van, or as they call it, a war wagon, right? It's a typical white. <laughs> that's yeah, mad, isn't it? They search the inside, oh, but they find the body of the fucking thing, right? Is literally built like a fucking tank. It's like a tank in the body of a fucking box truck, right? Like proper, like bulletproof plates on the inside, like, like just imagine a fucking tank, basically, right? As a van, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like. Um, a tank basically. But on the outside, it has Happy Times Party uh, supplier. The guard are thinking, this is major now, boys. This was a, this was the time when they realised that that they were seriously ill-equipped to be dealing with where the kind of where gangland fucking I don't weaponry advances mm-hmm. were. Do you know what I mean? Like they were walking around with their little pistols, and all of a sudden they're looking at a fully armed fucking tank, basically, right? Not to mention like fully automatic machine guns. This would have been, I'd imagine, one of the first instances, especially down in Miami, where because as Ian yeah. pointed out earlier, Miami was quite tame. It was a safe enough area at the time. Do you know what I mean? So they're thinking, bollocks, like we're fucked if anything kicks off, right? But anyway, the war wagon get bu- getting left behind was wrecking Griselda's head because the thing was worth about 16k now even though you're once turned over fucking 10 million a week at this stage right she's still fuming like she's she's probably a money hungry cunt I imagine if it's only 14k but anyway she's uh, she she starts going nuts at that thing gets left behind and then she starts again using her innovative brain to think okay right how can we stop this from happening again because by the way as Ian mentioned the traffic there there was another instance like a week or two later where one of the boys got stuck in traffic again and ended up getting reefed by the guard so she was thinking, right, how can we avoid this? Motorcycles. And she was actually the inventor of motorcycle, assass- motorcycle assassinations, wasn't she, you know? Which old Pablo, yeah. Pablo himself. Have we mentioned Pablo yet? Just in passing. Yeah, so like I think Ian mentioned it earlier, when she was afraid of her fella obviously cheating on her down in Colombia, but Pablo Escobar was like a young up-and-comer at this stage. And while she was, well, she's still in a paranoid state, state of mind at this stage, but when she was all kicking off at the start, she was terrified about Pablo and our fella in cahoots together Plot to overthrow her. Yeah. But Pablo looked up to El Grizzly. He was literally like, 
infatuated. Like she was like a hero. Again, she's like the godmother of the game. Like she's one of the like the yeah. OG. So everyone after her, like Pablo, forget it, forget it. They're imitators. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So Pablo. Well, I know, like the idea, girl. Like obviously, like she stayed the idea. Like she sat up one night going, "How do we get away quickly around traffic?" And like no one can work it out. It's like someone in a 40-foot lorry. You said it'd be easy to get out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> big Tesco lorry. Fuck, it, I took the wrong car. <laughs> no, yeah, in <laughs> fairness, it actually isn't that innovative. But I suppose in this, yeah. in the grand scheme of like in it, their yeah. world, like bikes whizzing yeah. in and out of traffic is probably like reinventing the wheel. They're like fair fucking play, you grizzy. Yeah, None fair, of us yeah. thought of that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, or just for us to do it. So they start using mm-hmm. bikes anyway, and they're fucking like she's laughing her head off. She's assassinating comes left, right, and centre. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> in, the, in the bikes, and Miami literally becomes the most violent city in the US at this stage, right? Yeah. Now I want to loop back around and talk about this, right? So Griselda, sorry, Grizzy, literally making hundreds of millions now at this stage, right? But she's still parallel of her fucking head from the bazooka. And tons of people want our dead. She's she's a wanted woman, right? So she's staying in our gaff pretty much exclusive at this stage in our Miami mansion. And she has literally at the at the front of our gaff like a bronze like statue head thing of herself, doesn't she? It's like literally oh, like bust. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so all the up and coming drug lords, including young Pablo, would rub it for good luck on the way into our gaff, isn't that gas? Mad. And uh, so yeah. even though she's on top running the game, she's basically permanently in hiding, right? She had loads of parties in our gaff to try to take our mind off it, but again, she's looking over our both shoulders, right? And then there's actually, like, stories as well about her forcing both men and women to have, like, like orgies with her at gunpoint in the gaff. Isn't that mad? <clears throat> orgies at gunpoint. Now, that sounds like your... That reminds me of your gaff straight away. 100%, um, mate. You know, well, I don't have to hold the gun to you. You're up for it. <laughs> oh, she's at gunpoint, man. She's a ruthless fucker, though. She's a Absolute queen. ruthless fucker. Infinite love, Grizzy. Um, but she's like, what I thought about this the hit on the family. Do you remember that one? The hit on the fam, go on. Yeah, she told her, she told her basically, um, a hitman to go take care of this family. And uh, she was like, hit them, hit the husband, hit the wife, and if the kids are in the house, hit the kids. And they actually had to say, no, we're not killing kids. Not to do with this. She was fucking ruthless. Yeah, she's a she's a thug, but fuck it. Grizzy. Fair play, Jay. <laughs> no, money messing, right? But uh mate, in the research as well, right? I, I seen this and I actually had to read it twice, right? Like, she was a billionaire at this stage. I didn't even think there was billionaires back then, yeah. did you? Mate, honest. And she's a billionaire by cash, bro. Yeah, so like, like that's how, how are you even meant to know if someone's skimming off that? How are you even meant to know if you're a billionaire with cash? Honestly, God. Oh, it's madness. That's mad. Thought this was amusing, right? She was buying mad shit with her money, right? She bought a gold plated Mac 10 uh, and a tea set owned oh, by the Queen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. The lizard. The gold plated gun and one of Lizzie's tea sets. Yeah, the Qu- Queen Lizzie herself. She's a raging fucking <laughs> lizard. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Lizzie uh, and Lizard go, you know. What I'm it's telling like. you, like as I always say, people are like, "Oh, where's your proof that the Queen is a lizard?" Right? I'm like, I don't fucking need any proof. Just look at her. Sure, Philly hit the deck. <laughs> Philly hit the deck last week. She, he just shed his skin. Literally, he's still out there now. He's still out there. He's roaming the sewers. He is, yeah. Oh, Literally, um, kimono dragon or something, whatever the. I'm telling you now, like but, called. the lizard episode will come eventually, right? But it's a summer project. It's a three-month job, isn't it? You know, if we were to compile all the evidence to, again, prove why, why Lizzie, Queen Elizabeth, is a lizard, it would blow the roof off the place. Me and Ian would be on the run. There'd be a bounty on our head. Yeah. Buckingham Palace would be out for us. Do you know what I mean? 
Bafavarium. <laughs> but anyway, um, right. so back to this, right? So our third husband, Dario, is spending a lot of time in Colombia. Now, boys, if we've learned anything from this story, what does that fucking mean? <laughs> He's off riddling gash over. Yeah. Right? He is and all. He and is and all. So she what learned she learned what he was doing down there. Now, again, why would you even bother getting with Grizzy if you know that cheating on her is going to end in literal death? So he starts pounding yeah. Gay over anyway in Colombia and she hears all about it. So she hires a lot of assassins to impersonate Gardi, i.e. police, pull him over yeah. in traffic and machine gun him to bits while our five-year-old son, Michael Corleone, <laughs> is still laughing at that name, <laughs> is in the back. Mika Corleone is in the back, right? <laughs> Mika <laughs> is in the back seat. While <laughs> his dad is getting fucking peppered in bullets. <laughs> Stop, like. Madness, like. Anyway. Oh, fucking so, all things considered, by the way, Mika Corleone actually grows up relatively all right, but we'll get into him later, right? But anyway, um, in 1984, boys, there's a bounty on our head. Four million dollars on her head. Madness. Yeah. Larry done. Yeah. So she flees Florida <laughs> after repeated attempts on her life, right? She flees to Irvine, California, right? And she lives with her mother, right? And then in 1985, the police catch up on her. Knocking the gaff. And they get into, burst into the gaff. And she's in bed with a Bible. And then Officer Columbo, what a name kisses her on the cheek I don't know why that's just part of the story before placing the silver bracelets on the godmother and she gets taken away you know what happens then speak to me yeah things start to unravel she has to take a bit of time to reflect work with the police and she takes a plea deal and the details of that plea deal are not entirely sure in terms of like giving people up and working with the police whatever but she gets a 20 year sentence <clears throat> obviously she became quite infamous she be known as the 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 media named her the queen of cocaine, and uh, she grew a lot of fans as well. So she's in prison, uh, and uh, a man called or a drug dealer, a low a low level drug dealer from Oakland called Charles Cosby, uh, writes a note through a contact in the prison to call, to talk to her, and uh, just because he, he admired her, she makes our business to get this fella's number. Rings this fella and uh, and they they kick it off and they have friendship and your man admits that yeah I'm just a big fan and I just wanted to rub elbows with a legend that's all but they begin a friendship that develops yeah, into friendship romance. Here's George Michael back again, careless whisper. Yeah. So, you know I wasn't even going to do that, but you're right. If there was ever a time legitimately <laughs> right. to play careless whisper, it's now. So look, they they develop things or whatever, and uh, obviously she's treated quite well, quite well in prison for who she is because obviously she has a phone. She's able to talk to this fella every day. So eventually comes to visit her in prison, and one of the things he get, he has told, obviously, telling the story years later, Charles Cosby is that. What stood out is that every prisoner had to wear an orange jumpsuit, except Grizzy. She wore a white or a white silk jacket, sil- silk white pants, red pumps and makeup. He said that amazed her. Right? And straight away, what does she get as soon as he arrives? She gets her own private room and starts riding your man straight away. You she know. paid each of the guards off $1,500 to rent the room. In they, were, they were mashing lumps out of each other. Like we actually can't, yeah. we actually can't undersell this enough, lads. Like it's mad the way they actually, yeah, tearing lumps out of the poor young Like think about, it. <laughs> she would have been banged up a while at this stage. You know what I mean, and she, so this oh, is the first bit of solid she would have gotten in a good while, right? 
So he rolls yeah. into the visitor area, and as he describes it, they just start wearing the face off each other almost instantly, right? She obviously says to the guardess, here, there's 1,500 quid. Where's the nearest empty room? That way is a kill. Get the door. And she starts slaughtering your man over uh, in the empty room. They only know each other about 10 minutes at stage. So, yeah. hence the careless whisper, lads, because this is major, boys. Major. <laughs> yeah. Now, she obviously, she gets treated quite well. But a woman of her... Um, of her earnings while in prison guys she was still making 50 mil a year 50 mil a year while in while in prison that's right? some whack in it so obviously she was out that's some whack she was obviously she was ever even able to bribe guards to get cocaine Colombian sausages and perfume yeah, so, she was getting uh, an American was... sausage as well by the sounds of it on the fucking reg <laughs> right. L. Charles <laughs> who what Charles <laughs> they own the job right, that's so the job Charles is obviously <laughs> right, popping around once a week, yeah. And uh, in '92, in '92, then her three sons actually got released from prison. Oswaldo, there was attempts made in all three of their lives, and two of them got killed. Oswaldo was killed in Medellin at a Hilton hotel. They came in and just artillery the place to bits until your man was dead. Him and all his cronies. Oswaldo. She, at his funeral, well. she wrote a note, and it was read out at her, at her funeral at her son's funeral to the cowards who killed my son. The ground will shake beneath your feet. This deed will be punished. And no less, they caught the heroes, Gary. They caught them. A week right? later as well. They didn't, exactly. They didn't even kill the fellas. They tortured for a week the two lads who killed their son. They tortured them for a week before killing them off. Like, she's, she, lads, if you haven't learned already, she's not to be fucked with. No. And that right. come here, like, that's what now, baffles me about the fellas she gets with. Like, why would you even begin a romantic relationship with Grizzy? Like, knowing she's a fucking screwball like that. You know, at yeah, the drop of the hat, yeah. if, you, if you get on the wrong side of her, you're going to be mashed to bits. Like, they're going to torture for a week and, and murdered if you're lucky. Stop. Yeah. Well, then, as all that's only just starting to calm down, not that you just get past the death of your two-year sons quite easily, she finds out Cosby's cheating because she hasn't followed Mm-hmm. Right, so her, her once a week bit of the week, yeah, Cosby is cheating, and she arranges to have people drive up beside her. This is a warning, Gary. Yeah, mm-hmm. both sides, fucking napalm the car over with twelve shots, and one of the bullets actually went through his arm. And she demanded to meet him in the prison the next day, and where she she was in a room with guards, and she's batting the bollocks area, man. <laughs> Isn't mm-hmm. that mad? Shot you, you get you was a. Yeah, how untouchable she was. And in fact, he even said this years later uh, on, on, on record, he said, when I, got out, when I got away from her and I was moving away, he, he had threatened to kill her. He said, I'll fucking kill you if you do that to me again. And in the most calm voice, she said, you're no more of a threat to me than a fly on my shoulder. Isn't that Come mad? Come on, anyway. like, that's madness, isn't it? Yeah, I'll stop. Yeah, man. but like that... In like, 90- but the fact that Go she on. spared him, can we just talk about that for a second? The fact that she spared him is very interesting because any, yeah. any of other fellas would be, you know, fucking dead and buried at this stage. I would love to know. What, what do you think it was about this young man? Well, she she wasn't going to get any other rise, was she? Yeah, to Like, be she was like, well, I have to kind of put up with this. So what he said was, look, it's not really fair. I'm only seeing you once a week and I'm only getting action once a week. So, and then she was like, uh, it's grand then. So just make sure you come around next Saturday. Yeah, because I mean, that yeah, was kind it's, of it. Oh, it's fucking madness. Like, he got away very lightly, to be fair, old Charlie Boyd, didn't he? Very fucking lightly. He did, he did. If she was a free woman, I tell you what, that would be his fucking his last hiding. 100%. Anyway, guys, 
circa 95, where are we now? Right, we're at a pivotal point in the story, lads, right? 1995, her former hitman by the name of Rivy doesn't he only go and flip on her, yeah? Now, if you know, <gasps> if, you, if you don't me. know, uh, being a rat in that game is the worst thing you could ever be. Yeah. Like, literally, like, that is absolutely... Here, I'll tell you a funny story. I'm not going to say who it is, yeah? But he is <laughs> okay. listening, right? And so one of my friends, shall we say, is uh, <laughs> was in a group chat, right, with a few heads, yeah? That would be, like, in that game, yeah? And do you know the okay. way, like, in Ireland, we throw around the term rat kind of, like, colloquially, like, almost, like, in a bit of a comedic way, like, what's up, you mad rat and all, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. he's in a group chat with them because he was on a stags with them, right? And it was New Year's, and he wrote into the group going, Happy New Year's, you mad rats, yeah? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, like, it's a term for endearment, right? All of a sudden, the text come in going, Who the fuck are you calling the rat? Right? <laughs> and he's like, like, he's like flashbanged. He's like, What? He was like, I'm, I'm, I meant it like, Go away, like, Happy New Year's. He's like, There's no fucking rats in here. I'll tell you that. <laughs> if you ever call us a rat, <laughs> like, apparently it was like, Serious, like, <laughs> Hostility. Man, he wow. was telling me the story and it's it was just so fucking funny. I know he listened, so I don't want to say anything, right? But oh my oh. god, what a fucking But anyway, right? <laughs> that is good. <laughs> so Rivy doesn't only go and flipping her. So Grizzy is thinking, Oh sweet murder of Jesus, because she's had to get indicted now for three murders. Now she had previously been indicted before, but this time it was serious because the hitman Rivy had come forward and Grizzy apparently had a mental breakdown when this happened because she used to say as well um, to Charlie Boy, because by the way, just to contextualise this, nearly all of the information on Grizzy, especially intimate information like this, comes from Charlie Boy coming out. I, I don't know if the country released like an autobiography or a documentary or whatever, but all of this has been supplied to us by him. So he said that Grizzy had a mental breakdown when, Grizzy, when, uh, when Rivy flipped because she used to say to him going, here, I'm fucked. Because if R- Rivy has enough dirt on me to put me on death row ten times over, if you, if you want, do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. was feeling very hot under the collar at this stage, right? But among, mm-hmm. So among loads of other stuff, Rivy told the popo, right, that Grizzy had paid him 50k to kill a man while his three-year-old son, well, sorry, while her three-year-old son, Michael Corleone, of course, the hero, uh, was in the room. And she was thinking, oh, bollocks, like... The amount of shit he's coming out and saying, oh, I could face that death penalty here for like for serious this time, like in a terrified array. But Cosby, yeah. like, you know, our lover was saying, Will you relax? Like, you're a billionaire, like you can fight this to the to the end. Like, just throw 20, 30 million this to be grand. You couldn't understand why she was so rattled. But yeah. she was saying, Listen, you're not fucking listening. <laughs> I'm fucked. <laughs> so she goes, Oh, you've a better idea. And he's like, What is it? She was like, We kidnap. A president's son. <laughs> this is the way Grizzy's head works. It's not yeah. like, okay, I have a billion, you're, I have a billion dollars in the bank. Let's just fight this to bits. We'll get the best lawyer going. We'll just dispute everything the hitman is saying and we'll get out here in a long time. She's like, here, we'll just kidnap a president's son. Not the president, by the way, just to contextualize yeah. this. For a, a ransom. President. A president's son. And who they had their eyes But what on, was the ransom, Gary? Like, to let her out, pretty much. She was like, look, if you, if you, uh, if you let me out and put me on a plane and the second I touch you on a Columbia, we'll release him, yeah? That's what she wanted. Yeah. And okay, she, yeah. she went after JFK's young fella. Now, obviously, JFK is dead at this stage. This is JFK Jr., right? And so she's telling Cosby this. And again, he's just infatuated, probably, and as well, probably still shell-shocked after the attempt on, on his fucking life last time he stepped down line. So he's just like, look, I'll do whatever you want, right? <laughs> and then, so he's like, right, what you need from me? 
And she's like, right, here's the crack. She reaches into a bra and she pulls out a piece of paper that just says JFK 5MNY written on it. And then she says to him, give that to an associate, right? And then he's like, here, what? And she's like, we're going to kidnap JFK Jr. That'd be like if we went after Mary McAleese's young flick. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like mad stuff. Yeah. So look, oh, Cosby. Stop. They wouldn't be ready for that in Ireland. They would. <laughs> Imagine we kidnapped Bernie McAleese. Oh, stop! Uh. But anyway, so Cosby, along with four kidnappers, they jump on a plane. Ironically, touched down at JFK Airport in New York City, right, with a hundred k in cash, ready to do the job and whip your man up, right. So they start stalking the fuck out of them. They start stalking yeah. the fuck out of JFK Jr., right? And apparently they were mad close to getting them, right? Mad close. And then the guard intercepted and spooked them, so they bounced, right? So Charlie Cosby claims, right, that he was, like, kidnapping it, this young for this a bad idea. But, they, like, there's a lot of speculation about this. And to be honest, I think that Charlie actually, did, like, ratted them out on purpose just to kind of um, get himself out of fucking picture. So he, and the yeah. recording, we might include the recording, really, you know, where he's on the phone to whore. And just the way he says it's so it, so suspect. So basically he's on the phone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually contextualise the call and then we'll put it in, right? So he's on the phone to whore and they're having their usual, like, chat on the phone. And he basically says, we still up for that JFK thing, are we? Like, over recorded, <laughs> <laughs> like, over a recorded line in the prison, like, and then she goes, yeah. yeah, no, definitely. So here we go. Whack it in now. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing too good, man. Yeah. Uh, how's Michael doing? Michael is in Colombia now. I got something to give you a Michael, too. <laughs> so, 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 is, is, uh, is the JFK plan still together? Uh-huh. Oh, uh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that, you know. But, but you, uh, you be sure to be careful, though, you know. Be careful for what? I mean, just always know what you're doing ahead of time, you know. Mm-hmm. I love you, too. So that's why I think it's a setup, just the way he says it so casually. Do you know what I mean? By the way, yeah. for someone who's so on the on the button, like she's a bit of a tick animal even answering that. She should have said what? And if he was like, still up for that JFK thing, she'd be like, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like she literally just confirmed it. Like, what a tick. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I don't even want to be talking Stop. so negatively about Grizzly, because in fairness, like she's far from a tick. Anyway. So yeah, that's basically why I think it's a setup, right? <laughs> And, um, but yeah, you know, where did we go after that? Well, the kidnappers lost their nerve and they never actually went ahead with it. They were about to nab your man, I think, at a traffic light in New York and they saw a cop car and just abandoned the, the whole fucking thing and they never got a chance again. But because of the conspiracy to do it, already came out and it was leaked, whatever, they uh, they had your one again dead to rights and your man Cosby was in the clear. Now, this ended up going to court, obviously, because of all the other shit, those three murders that we were talking about. And uh, this is where it just, I mean, when you hear about, like, um, when you actually do, like, a research into it, you realise, historically, this is a fucking, a, a nightmare. Like, a, a black a, a black spot on the past of the of the, the justice system in America, right? So, Cosby, Cosby obviously was going to testify against her in court. But uh, for the state, against, right, his... Uh, his mistress, yeah, in prison, Grizzy, and uh, the deposition secretary from the prosecutor's office, right, the secretary made a move on him, on his way to the jacks, sent him a note, and they arranged to have a romp in his hotel room, and sure enough, they did, and this was the one who swore him in in the courtroom, right, and then all of a sudden, the other fella, Rivy, the hitman, so we have Cosby, that was, then we have Rivy as well. He's also banging your one, the secretary from the prosecutor's office. Okay. And he also gets with another one. Another one. And when that gets leaked out, they have to fucking... Um, They're like mice in a shoebox, aren't they? 
Yeah, it was struck out then because neither could deliver testimonies for the state because they were compromised and because they got caught, the case was struck out. And Griselda was then subsequently not charged and then released in 04. Is that fucking mad, isn't mm-hmm. it? Absolutely madness. So look, she flies back to Colombia, right? And everyone's expecting her to be fucking taken out straight away because she's touching back down Colombia. made a fuckload of enemies over the last few years. But in a mad surprise turn of events, she actually manages to live for another eight years. But she it's lived in like a real surprise, fancy yeah. neighbourhood in Colombia. She bopped around the place and all no bodyguards. And then in 2012, at the ripe age of 69 years of age, she was walking back from the butchers, wasn't she? With, fun fact, an ungodly amount of meat, 150 pounds <laughs> yeah. to be exact. And a Bible yeah, yeah. when got Age yeah, of 69 carrying 150 pounds of meat. <laughs> yeah, come on, like. Then all of a sudden, a man on a bike drives up beside her. Poetic, if you will, given, you know, that's yeah. her, that's her, that's her move, like. Mills yeah. up beside her and poof, guns her down. She dies in the street with all of our meat yeah, sh- and our Bible. And our Bible. Po- very poetic. Very poetic indeed, bro. So that's now, where we leave that's off. not the end. That is oh, not the end. Sorry, what? <laughs> right. Now we have to introduce the Kardashian of this whole fucking story. Oh, right? yeah, bro. Michael Corleone launches a brand, right, of vaping pens and hoodies in her name. And they're still out there to this day. Look up pure Blanco. She's immortalised. <laughs> She's literally immortalised in vape pens now, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. She yeah, lives yeah. on. Oh, bro. I just thought that was mad. I was getting to the end. I was like, wow, like winding down. What a story. And it's like, yeah, Michael Corleone there out now sporting his, his man's good name. Okay, yeah, well, you would, though, when you think about it. Like, if you had a if yeah. you had a fucking powerful, absolute queen of a man like Grizzy, you'd be actually be yeah. milking that to bits. Do you know what I mean? But look, we're going to leave it there, boys. Next time you hear us, it'll be myself, Stephen. And Ian in another naively optimistic co-host mm-hmm. crossover, which is going to be, I think, some stage over the next few days. And then I'm going to have a little surprise for you towards the end of the month on the Patreon. So, boys, as always, infinite love. We do really appreciate the, the love and support from each and every one of you. Keep us literally going in this crazy fucking depressing time in Costa del Ireland. Boys, it's been a rough one here, but hopefully this bollocks is over soon because I, for one... I'm getting so fucking fed up. It's still me tits in, but again, I'm not in here tomorrow. But look, hopefully the end is nigh and we'll catch us all soon. You know, as per usual, much love, champ. Cheers, Cap. I'll talk to you soon, bro, yeah?